Denise Densai, and here are the stories making headlines in the Philippines and across the globe. The Philippine Ombudsman's Office to slap subpoenas against the Health and Budget Departments as part of its investigation on alleged irregularities in the country's COVID-19 response. Ombudsman Samuel Martirez wants to obtain documents from the two agencies to determine where the funds for the pandemic response went. Martirez also issues a warning to the Health Department, saying it should cooperate instead of making excuses. An unnamed health official earlier complained paperwork required for the Ombudsman's probe is hampering work at the department. Ay hindi namin na-deliver yun dahil itong ombudsman, hindi nang hiningan mga papeles eh. That mm -hmm. statement alone, that statement alone is an admission na yung mga tao below this official who said that ay mga incompetent. Kasi pwede mo naman utusan yung mga official mo eh. I just hope this official will just cooperate with us, shut up Apo. and just cooperate. Earlier this week, the Office of the Ombudsman expanded its COVID-19 response probe to include Health Secretary Francisco Duque. The investigation includes delays in the procurement of safety equipment for health personnel, the late release of benefits for COVID-19-stricken medical workers, and the supposed anomalies in reporting coronavirus cases and deaths. The Philippine Health Department rejects a call by one lawmaker for Secretary Francisco Duque to take a leave of absence as the ombudsman looks into alleged irregularities in the scandal-hit agency. Health Undersecretary Maria Rosario Vergere says she does not see the need to follow Senator Win Gachalian's suggestion because Duque is an essential component in the agency's COVID-19 response. Kaya po nakakayanan ng mga undersecretaries ang aming trabaho dahil meron po kaming leader na katulad ni Secretary Duque. So uh, napaka-importante po ng isang leader sa isang uh, organisasyon. Kahit po nakaupo lang siya dyan pero kung siya ay nire-respeto at siya ay nakakapagbigay ng kumpiyansa para sa mga kapatid niya, sa tingin ko po kaya po gumagaling ang mga tao sa ilalim niya. Vergere also appears to downplay the ombudsman's accusation. Health officials gave investigators a runaround in an earlier probe on the purchase of COVID-19 test kits. She says requests made by investigators went through the right process. State health insurer PhilHealth hitting back at corruption claims from President Duterte's spokesman Harry Roque. PhilHealth President and CEO Ricardo Morales asserts Roque's allegation that 154 billion pesos have been lost due to corruption in the agency is unsubstanti unsubstantiated. He adds he'd be happy to step down from his post if the president wishes. Secretary Roque does not have access to the operating figures of Bill Health. So I wonder where he got those figures. Responding to Morales' call for Roque to bring his corruption complaints against PhilHealth to court, Roque says Morales has the power to suspend or remove corrupt officials in his agency. Roque also advises Morales to engage in self-examination to reflect on whether his continued service in PhilHealth would do the nation well. 
Former Senator Antonio Trellanes dares Malacanang to appoint Vice President Lenny Robredo as chairperson of the government's pandemic interagency task force if it really wants to flatten the COVID-19 curve. Mr. Trellanes believes Robredo, as IATF head, will be able to accomplish more in addressing the health crisis. The prominent government critic also slams Duterte spokesman Harry Roque for saying Robredo should present solutions rather than criticize the Duterte administration for its efforts against the deadly virus. But Mr. Roque accuses Trillanes of twisting his statements for the sake of political relevance. He says Malacanang acknowledges Robredo's efforts and adds there is no need for her to be part of the interagency task force. Robredo's camp, for its part, distanced itself from the word war. The vice president points out she has never depended on holding any formal position aside from the one she was elected to in serving the public. The Philippine government aims to deliver the second tranche of the social amelioration program to 17 million families this month. Social welfare spokesperson Irene Dumlao says 8.5 million of the targeted beneficiaries are in areas under enhanced community quarantine. She adds they will conduct contactless distribution with the help of the new web application Relief Agad. Four million beneficiaries have registered so far on the app. Users can link their mobile numbers and choose their preferred means to receive their financial assistance. Options include e-wallets, such as PayMaya. And around 343,000 overseas Filipino workers are now jobless due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Philippine Labor Secretary Silvestre Bellio III says of this number, 190,000 have no desire to come home due to lack of employment insurance. The Philippine government has repatriated around 54,000 OFWs due to the pandemic. Bellio says around 65,000 more are expected to return home by the end of June. The Philippine Education Department discussing proposals to push the opening of classes to November following calls from the League of Provinces of the Philippines. Education Undersecretary Nepomuceno Malaluan says a joint technical working group composed of the agency and the Union of Local Administrators of the Philippines, or ULAP, will be formed to study the proposal. Recommendations for a dry run of the reopening of classes also up for review amid concerns over internet connection for the conduct of online classes. But Malaluan adds preparations continue for the scheduled opening of classes on August 24th. The Philippines' COVID-19 tally breaches the 28,000 mark. The health department logged 661 new infections Friday. Of these cases, 460 are classified as fresh, meaning test results were released to the patient within the last three days. The death toll is now at 1,130 after 14 more fatalities were recorded. 288 additional patients have recovered from the illness, bringing the total to 7,378. And over 8.4 million people worldwide have now been infected with COVID-19. That's according to Johns Hopkins University. Some 4.1 million have already recovered from the disease, but the death toll has climbed to more than 453,000. The U.S. still has the most number of infections, followed by Brazil and Russia. Young immigrants in the United States rejoice after the Supreme Court stops U.S. President Trump's plan to end a so-called Dreamers program. As Henny Espinosa reports, Trump is unhappy with the ruling, calling it horrible. Clear. 
These young undocumented immigrants certainly stood their ground, staking their claim in this country they've called home for years. This was the sound of victory as the U.S. Supreme Court on Thursday dealt a major setback for President Donald Trump and his hardline immigration policies, blocking his bid to end the Obama-era program that shields hundreds of thousands of immigrants known as Dreamers who enter the U.S. illegally as children from deportation. In a 5-4 to four vote, the justices rejected the Trump administration's arguments that the 8-year-old Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals Program, or DACA, is unlawful and that courts have no role to play in reviewing the decision to eliminate protections for about 650,000 immigrants. This means they get to legally stay and work in America with permits renewable every two years. I'm elated. I am really affirmed that the movement of young people organizing 11 million undocumented people demanding exactly what we deserve, we win. The Supreme Court ruling, though, does not prevent Trump from attempting to end DACA again. Trump took to Twitter following the justice's ruling, saying these horrible and politically charged decisions coming out of the Supreme Court are shotgun blasts into the face of people that are proud to call themselves Republicans or conservatives. Meanwhile, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said she hopes the Supreme Court ruling on DACA would push Republican Senate leaders to take up legislation previously approved by the Democratic-led House that actually provides a path to citizenship for dreamers. For his part, former President Barack Obama urged voters to elect his former Vice President Joe Biden as president in 2020 to continue protections for DACA recipients. The row between U.S. President Trump and the Silicon Valley intensifies as social media giant Facebook takes down controversial ads run by Trump's re-election campaign. More in this report. We don't allow symbols that represent hateful organizations or hateful ideologies unless they're put up with context or condemnation. Facebook on Thursday removed dozens of controversial Trump campaign ads that it says violated its organized hate policy. The ads showed a red inverted triangle, a symbol the Nazis used to identify political prisoners, with text asking Facebook users to sign a petition against Antifa, a loosely organized anti-fascist movement. President Trump and Attorney General William Barr have repeatedly singled out Antifa as a major instigator of recent unrest during nationwide anti-racism protests with little evidence. Critics quickly called out the ad as anti-Semitic and highly offensive. Appearing remotely before U.S. lawmakers on Thursday, Facebook's head of security policy, Nathaniel Gleischer, said the deletion of such ads is consistent with their policy to remove the symbol, either automatically or manually when flagged by users. You obviously want to be careful to allow someone to put up a symbol to condemn it or to discuss it. But in a situation where we don't see either of those, we don't allow it on the platform and we remove it. That's what we saw in this case with this ad. And anywhere that that symbol is used, we would take the same actions. A spokesman for the Trump campaign said in an email that the inverted red triangle is a symbol used by Antifa. The Anti-Defamation League, a Jewish NGO, said that while there have been some Antifa who have used the red triangle, it was not a commonly used symbol by the group. Facebook has previously removed Trump campaign ads, including ones that violated the company's policy against misinformation.
Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison reveals a state-based actor has been attempting to hack a wide range of Australian organizations for months. He says the attempted hacks have targeted all levels of government, political organizations and essential service providers. The country's intelligence also flags similarities between the recent events and a cyber attack on parliament back in March 2019. According to Reuters, Australia had concluded that China was responsible for the cyber attack last year. Morrison says he has raised the issue with, with British Prime Minister Boris Johnson and other allies. German payments company Wirecard claims to be the victim of fraud of considerable proportions after $2.1 billion went missing from its accounts. Wirecard chief executive Marcus Braun said two banks with an investment grade rating from Moody's or S&P had taken over the management of the trust accounts in 2019. But these two, two banks recently told auditors that the confirmations are spurious. The scandal was caused by Wirecard shares to fall by over 40 percent. Two Philippine banks, meanwhile, released separate statements denying Wirecard is their client. BDO says the document claiming the existence of a Wirecard account with BDO is a falsified document which carries forged signatures of bank officers. It adds the matter has already been reported to the Philippine Central Bank. BPI also says it was presented with a document that claimed Wirecard is a client, but the document is fake. The bank says it continues to investigate the issue. And before we go, Malacanang joins the nation in commemorating the 159th birth anniversary of national hero Jose Rizal. The palace likens Rizal to the country's modern-day heroes, the frontliners who rise to the challenge and serve as beacons of hope to Filipinos amid the COVID-19 pandemic. Malacanang also urges the Filipino youth to take inspiration from Rizal and become agents of change. Jose Rizal is best known for his controversial novels, which help spark a patriotic spirit and fuel the country's fight for freedom and independence against Spanish colonizers. And those were the latest. I'm Denise Densai. For more updates, subscribe to the ANC YouTube channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter.